Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my good buddy Seth Robinson. Seth. Hey, what's up? Hey. Hey, oh, let's see, enjoying spring weather, almost summer weather here, which is really awesome, 80s. Uh, so the cabin fever is abating. I'm really happy about that. Um, yeah, well, you is- love to get out. I, uh, I do. I- I, I like it when it's, you know, I, I right now is good. Um, it's starting to get, the days are starting to get like too long for me. Like it drives me a little crazy when it's still like sunny and uh, when it's eight o'clock out and it's like, yeah, let's, let's get the day over with here. I hate it when it gets dark at four o'clock in the afternoon. Like it does here on the East coast in the dead of winter. It's just that yeah. it's depressing. You're still yeah. working when it's dark out. It's horrible. But anyway, I'm doing well. Lots of playoffs coming up. My Bruins beat the NHL all-time season winning record of in history this past week. So I'm in a good mood. Between them and the Celtics starting the playoffs this weekend, I am uh, couldn't be happier. Yeah, well, good, good. Oh. A lot of, you know, there's a little, little pressure on the Bruins now. It's always a little tight, you know, when you have such a great regular season. And then it's like, well, you really want to – finish it off. Well, yeah, I hope they don't flame. If they flame, that'll be awful. Um, So hopefully that doesn't happen. So cross your fingers. Fingers crossed. Yes. But anyway, we've got a guest today. I'm super psyched. And we're going to be talking about um, my soon to be out there um, state of the channel for this year on 2023's version. So I'm excited about that. Our guest who's going to join us now is John Harden, who is the Senior Product Marketing Manager at Ovic Next Networks. Hello, John. John is also on one of our councils. I think it's, I'll, you, you can talk about that because I forget which one, if it was the SAS Council or one of the others. But um, so we're happy to have you today, John. We're going to do some chatting about State of the Channel in particular, um, the section of the data that, uh, that deals with uh, vendor relationships uh, that the channel has and what the competition looks like these days, what the landscape is looking like out there. So welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Should be a fun chat. Uh, I live here in Indianapolis. It's kind of a land of disappointment. The Pacers aren't doing anything. <laughs> the Colts aren't doing anything. The Hoosiers burned out in the NCAA bracket. So well you can always jump on the Boston bandwagon. I, I invite you. <laughs> the Boston bandwagon is full. It doesn't need any more people on it. I am I am good with the beautiful weather bandwagon. I'm with you, Carolyn. There we go. Yeah, we can all agree on that. Awesome. Uh, So, um, well, yeah. Welcome to the show, John. Uh, Like Carolyn said, we've got State of the Channel report coming out in a little bit, and so we're going to do a couple of Ollie episodes leading up to the release of that report on hopefully whet everyone's appetite a little bit. So. Uh, Carolyn, do you want to give like a quick overview of what people can expect and then we can dive into today's discussion? Yeah, sure. So um, what's kind of cool about this version of the State of the Channel is it's actually the 10th one that we've done uh, at CompTIA uh, in my tenure, and I believe I kind of started it. So um, we did skip one year. So there's like an 11-year gap. Um, So 2012 was the first one that we published. It's 2023. This is the 10th iteration. So that's exciting. Um, we've collected data from, um, from North America and then some of our international regions. Um, so it gives it that sort of flair where you're getting a sense of what some of the other countries out there are doing in the channel. And generally speaking, um, you know, the outlook coming out of the pandemic and Seth, you and I will talk about this a lot more on, on another volley, um, is pretty positive. You know, um, I think that people are relatively 
content with the way things are going. They think that the health of the channel is pretty good right now. There is a lot of change. There are a lot of new players in the, in the ecosystem, um, a lot of new rules of engagement that we'll talk about here with the way the vendors and partners interact. Um, but we saw some good numbers around channel profitability. Uh, we saw some good numbers um, around um, the, the channel's sense of, you know, just in general, feeling good about uh, their future over the next couple of years. Of course, there are going to be some downsides here and there. Uh, there's a lot of concern about the economy and where that will be heading. Um, and that's one of those great unknowns that we can't predict. There's been some good news lately. So that's, uh, you know, uh, on the inflation front and and um, on the jobs front a bit on in the tech industry. So, you know, we'll see. But I'm not I am not an economist, so I'm not going to make predictions. But that's kind of it, you know, in a big nutshell, I think, John, what we'd love to talk to you about, you're on the, the vendor side, you work with a ton of MSPs at Avic. Um, you're very much embedded in the SaaS world. And a lot of that is where a change is happening. And one of the, you know, the good measures of what's going on in the channel is how they interact with their vendors. So what those relationships look like. And, uh, and then one of the other real, I think, biggest changes that we've seen in this in the report this year is how the competitive landscape is really just blossoming into a lot of other things that and entities that channel companies are now facing out there as their potential rivals. It's not just another channel company that they compete with. It's so much more. Um, so we'll talk about that a little bit today as well. Um, I hate to hit you with like a big picture question, but, you know, maybe talk a little bit about what you're seeing from, you know, from Avic um, in terms of the landscape and, and maybe what you see as the biggest change right now with the dynamic between vendors and the channel in general or msp specifically yeah happy to kind of take that one on in a little context here i, I sit on the vendor side but i started my career in the msp world i uh mm -hmm. i you know started in the tier one knock so i've seen this evolution in the industry over the last 15 years um and i think one of the biggest things that's really happening right now that's probably impacting the way the msps are working with vendors is I kind of look at COVID was it almost like an earthquake in the middle of the ocean and now the tsunamis hit and we're finally starting to settle and like the debris coming in and it's like, all right, we've kind of gotten to this new normal uh, and the new normal's here. And I think a lot of the new normal is the fact that um, there's just a lot of new problems being solved. And I think this is one of the challenges that we're seeing over right here at Alvik in the way that we're responding at least. Um, is that it's not the same problems we had two years ago. And quite frankly, it's not the same problems we had one year ago. Um, the IT landscape's just kind of like a galaxy. It keeps getting bigger and bigger. And that tsunami, when it struck, just accelerated the growth of digital transformation. So now we're supporting work from home environments. We're supporting execs doing their job on an airplane. We're supporting uh, people working in all sorts of different environments. It's no longer this unified you know, I'm sitting at my office and I'm on my land, I'm on my way and I'm doing my job. Now I'm working with um, organizations all over. And so now we're using all sorts of different tools. Um, you know, before we had our Jabber or we had our internal Teams chat and that's what we did. But now I've got Zoom, I've got Teams, I've got Slack, I've got uh, all these different communications forms, all these different SaaS platforms and all these different things in my environment just to do my job. And the managed service provider has to kind of support this ecosystem that's just imploded. Um, and so I think one of the biggest challenges that I see in my perspective is at least um, this explosion of SaaS, both on the vendor side, they have more vendors than ever. Um, yeah. I, I talked to an MSP the other day who showed me a chart. They had 50 vendors plotted, like this is where they fall in the cyber SaaS, this is where they fall in general IT, ops automation, 
50 vendors to support their customers. And then I see the perspective of a business who, you know, the average hundred person company right now has about 126 SaaS tools that they're using. And it's like, how do you become an expert in everything? How do you manage and support everything? It's not just a printer breaking or an endpoint breaking. Now it's, I can't get access to QuickBooks. Um, I didn't know they had this data here. And it's this just big sprawl that's happening. That's, that's creating pain. So I think vendor proliferation, I, you know, if I had a big vision, I would love to see a level of consolidation, like, you know, being more cognizant in vendor acquisition cycles um, is something I really talk and passionate about. So that I think is a huge challenge. It's just, there's too many moving pieces. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting. And I think Carolyn's report focuses on that explosion and all of the pieces that we have now. And when I was reading through the report, the thing that really came to mind for me is we talk a lot about the channel and how it kind of grew up as a distribution network for product. And, and there's a lot of product centric mindset there on the end user side for the customers, the way they've been running it, it used to be that they were putting a lot of energy into building a compute foundation. So they're trying to put in networking and servers and things like that. They're trying to put in the products. A lot of companies now have gotten to the point where they're pretty satisfied with that foundation. They can kind of, they've got as much compute as they want and they can kind of do it from anywhere. So now they're focusing on the solutions. And I think so much of the explosion that you're talking about, John, is moving into that solution space. And I imagine that that's a very different mindset for a lot of MSPs, solution providers, even people reselling that, you know, Carolyn, you touched on some of this in the report that that there are all these business model changes that have to happen as you're moving to like as a service or whatever, but it's a completely different thing. Like you're not going, your network provider, whoever's delivering your network equipment is probably not the same vendor that's delivering SaaS into, you know, SaaS applications for HR and finance and things like that. So I feel like that change in the end user is another thing that drives so much of this explosion and, and requires so much new thought from MSPs. Um, do, you, do you see that, John? And do you, do you think that MSPs understand the nature of that change? Yeah, you, what you're hitting on right there is a segment that we're seeing a lot of. So the business user is, business user rather, is now the procurer of SaaS, right? Um, it's not, you know, back when I was at my MSP, they'd call up the MSP, they'd say, hey, we have a business problem. Can you install our software? And we got to own that software lifecycle management. But software lifecycle management, uh, a marketing intern can, can own it. They could go sign up for MailChimp. Nothing stops them from doing that. And so now business user, users are the ones that are acquiring SaaS. And I think that's really what's creating the challenge because, um, you know, what that ends up being, that there's the term for it's called shadow IT. And it's really this term where uh, IT has no idea that um, these tools are being used in their organization. And if you're an MSP, you have no idea that your you know, VP of sales may have signed up for a new tool at your end client. Um, but quite frankly, the thing that hasn't changed is the responsibility matrix. Correct. The, the, the MSP or the internal IT team is still responsible for all these things, but they're cut out of the loop. And that shadow IT is, I think, what's really caused, that's the friction in this explosion, in my opinion, because SaaS is good, but lack of control and lack of responsibility is not. Well, one of the things that we found in, 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 the, in the data was that where at least the smarter MSPs and smarter uh, solution providers are making the most of their money right now is um, not on transactions, but really on um, 
on services around business consulting, IT consulting, and managed services. And all of those three things require them, them to be very, very cognizant of what you're just talking about, that the line of business people might be procuring stuff left and right. They're not involved in the transaction, but their value add going into a customer is we will help you manage all of this. Um, and also them doing the assessment and understand what's going on in the environment. So if somebody goes ahead in, in a marketing department and procures MailChimp or some other application, like you mentioned, um, it is almost incumbent and it becomes a value added service for that MSP to under, to be able to be aware that that's going on. And then they can charge for that. You know, this is, you know, we are in charge of your environment and we'll make sure that there's not a lot of rogue activity going on. Um, and I think moving to that kind of model gets them that, that helps them because they are going to be losing out on some of the initial transactions. You know, that, that product sale that used to be the, the cornerstone of their business isn't happening as much. And now even, you know, a lot of these SaaS uh, procurement situations are happening direct, as you said, and we found that in the data. You know, mm -hmm. online marketplaces, if you want to talk about competition and direct from vendors is the number one. Those are the two main rivals that the channel sites today is who they're seeing as their competition. It's not other channel companies. So many of them are just divorcing themselves altogether from the transaction. And I applaud that. It's like, you're going to make all your money around all the services that you can provide before the transaction, helping the customer figure out what to buy on their own. And then in between and after in the management of those, of those solutions. Um, so it's a, it's a big change and it's not easy I think, for a lot of companies, especially those that are still entrenched in product sales. And there are plenty of channel companies who are, um, that's going to be a difficult transition, but for the MSPs we're talking about here and those who have kind of made the shift to services earlier than others, um, that's where that's where they're going to make their money. Yeah. And I think just to, to tack at the end here on uh, related to vendor relationships is vendors have to change a lot of their incentives, benefits and the way they compensate mm -hmm. partners who are no longer doing transactions for them, but are more involved with the services in and around that might not have anything to do with um, selling the product of a particular vendor. Um, they have to figure out a way to orchestrate or architect their programs so that partners feel like they're getting compensation that befits the new business model that they have. Yeah, and, and I can't disagree. I think the only thing I'll add to it, Carolyn, here is I think it's a sweet spot. Um, you, you talk about the, the MSPs that have made that transition into services. Um, you know, I always say SaaS, it, it's kind of this magical little sweet spot. On one hand, it's a business problem being solved. On the other side, it's an IT problem that needs needs to be managed. And um, for a long time, managed service providers have been like, how can I talk strategically? How can I talk about business problems? How do I get out of somebody caring about me being an endpoint that's manager? So I always joke that um, nobody just wakes up and decides today's the day for a new SaaS. Like nobody just does that. That's a weird behavior if you do. <laughs> I haven't done that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like you sign up for them because you're trying to solve a business problem. Yeah. So when the mail, when the marketing interns try to sign up for MailChimp, they're not doing it for fun. They're doing it to solve a business problem. And I think that's the magic of it. If you think about SaaS like that and you go as a managed service provider and you go, every SaaS tool that they're buying, they're solving a business problem, whether they know it's been solved or not, or whether it's a net new business problem. I get to talk to them about a business problem and business strategy. And it has a technology piece where I can add value services to it. So I think that's the way to think about the SaaS ecosystem. If you're leery to them coming in as competition, I think it's the, the key is, can the vendor compensate the partner for having those business conversations? That's where they're adding value as opposed to selling 
the SaaS application. And in a lot of cases, that's where a lot of friction is happening right now is as vendors struggle to figure out the best way to compensate partners and incent them in this new model. And partners are shopping around for vendors who know how to do that. And that's why you see a lot of flux with uh, them changing vendors every year. Yeah. So it's one of the problems to solve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, going along with that, one of the big themes in the report and something that Carolyn has talked about for quite a while now is, as being really important to the relationship between partners and vendors is partner experience. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously they're looking for uh, financial models to change and, and to, to make sure that the vendors are helping them make money. But I think they're looking for a lot of other things too. And we're describing you know, so much change here in, in the model and in the way that partners are approaching their customers and dealing with it and then what they're looking to their vendors to provide to them for help. So what what types of things are you seeing partners ask for a lot more of? Is it is it better communications? Is it marketing help? Is it education? What types of things go into that partner experience model for MSPs? I, I think the thing that I'm passionate about and I see a lot of requests for is just education. I mean, quite frankly, um, we talk about, you know, best in class SaaS vendors have to realize that any anything they're providing through the channel um, or directly to another person, there still has to be something that's what's in it for me, right? The WIFM is what I call it. Uh, what's in it for me? So I can't just, you know, you can't just build a product that you say, push out to the end client and charge. Nowadays, there's got to be something that's in it for the, for the partner as well. And beyond just something for the end, the end user. Um, for me, you know, I think the WIFM is helping them be educated on the issues. Um, that is one thing that because the tsunami has struck and the waves are crashing, like they're frantically trying to learn all these new things. Cyber's changing the game. Um, all these different areas are changing the game and they're just trying to wrangle. They're just trying to do their best, um, but they need help. And so, you know, webinars like this, I think are incredible or podcasts like this, I think are incredibly helpful for the channel, but I think it's incumbent on the vendors to educate and not sell, by the way. I mean, like actually help them understand why it's a problem, help them understand how the problem impacts them as the partner, but as well as them and their service down to their client. Don't just say they need this product. Say, here's the problems they're facing. Because, you know, I talk about that, that MSP I talked to again, who had 60 tools. He's solving 60 business problems with this 60 different tools. Yeah. That's so many to solve. So you got to help them understand where each little piece plays into the matrix of what they're doing. Because again, it's not getting smaller. Um, the amount of business problems is not getting any smaller. So you have to help them become subject matter experts quick. So education, um, co-marketing um, opportunities where you can talk. You know, We're bringing in over here like fireside chats where we're talking to our partners and having our partners talk to our customers about what they're doing in their business. Like find creative ways to help educate because I think you know, quite frankly, the whole channel is is really uh, industrious and we're excited to solve problems, but we need to be armed with the ammo to solve the problems. And I think if you could, everything else will be systemic from that. I think if you start, start with education, you'll find the paths you need to do to deliver a great partner experience, in my opinion. Yeah, I like, I yeah, like to I, hear that. Go ahead. Yeah, Sam. I was going to say, I think that makes so much sense because like, Carolyn, what you're describing, you know, the old world was like, again, trying to move product. Like what is the mm -hmm. best most efficient way to move product out there. And I think that equation has changed and it's a lot more complex now. And so now if you're a vendor, you're trying to build this ecosystem and, and the things that you do through education or whatever, 
that might not directly help you move product. But at the same time, you might not be looking for that direct moving of product in the same way that you were in the past. If you've got people coming to you directly to get your product, then maybe that's not the exact problem you need to solve, but you need to kind of solve some of these downstream things and doing it through education and fireside chats and things like that. And just building that ecosystem uh, is probably a really good way to do it. Yeah, agree, agreed. I think um, the education, because so many sales today are being influenced or referred, um, the more that the partner community is educated um, about you know, the solution that they need to solve, whatever the business problem is, what the best tools are that apply to that problem, um, then they're then emissaries. They know what to sell and they may, and but but it may just be an influence or a referral and it may not be a transaction itself. Um, so the more that they are educated, the better. All of this sits though, um, you know, is really um, dependent on good communications. And you mentioned, John, that, you know, the one um, company that has 60 different you know, tools that they're that they're working with that in, implies that they have 60 different vendors that they're trying to manage at the same time. Okay. And so one of the keystones of, of partner experience is really good communications. And, you know, you're one company you represent, John, but and so you can say, well, we're doing the best we can. We've got all kinds of channels that we communicate with our, our partners through and whatever their pre preferred tool is and et cetera. But then you have to remember that that one partner is also talking to you know 20 other vendors at a time and that gets super confusing and they're a small company on top of that so they don't have anyone dedicated to just dealing with the incoming fire hose of information from all their vendors um i think that's one of the inscrutables that have been really hard to figure out yeah yeah because quite frankly i mean i always joke that SaaS companies are one of two things they're either a startup or they're a sales company and when they get into that sales company motion at that point, it's all about my problems more important than every other problem. How do I get to the top of your list? But we need to remember that, um, you know, it's more about just if, if they know about the issues, they'll naturally find you when the problem. Go the, the other direction. That's yeah. 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 So it, it's tough, though. That's a really tough challenge. You get 60 problems, 60 vendors. Mm -hmm. you know, that, I think that's where a place like CompTIA, again, is a great resource because you're getting all the different opinions. And it's it's industry or not industry, but it's really vendor agnostic. It's an opportunity to hear about the general problems. So you can kind of have your flight radar heading in the right direction. But I don't know how you solve that 60 vendors, all with 60 different competing. Well, products. I mean, the funny thing is, though, for all the problems we're talking about right now, um, the vendor satisfaction scores this year on the, um, uh, you know, for the for the data that we collected are much higher than they were two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, now, two years ago, we were in the middle of the, you know, of COVID. It was sort of horrible. Um, but arguably, MSPs did pretty well during COVID. So they may not have been as 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 in dire straits as some other channel companies, but there was a, a sharp increase in vendor satisfaction across the board, every region that we looked at um, this year. So, uh, you know, I kind of try to explain it. Either vendors have gotten their act together and started listening better, and they are starting to provide some of these intangibles and other things like education that partners need. Um, or, as we talked about at the beginning of Ollie here, the, the just the explosion in the number of vendors has enabled partners to go and find the person that fits the best with them. And so they're happy because they ditched a vendor they weren't happy with, and now they've got a choice of 10 others who are all good. And so they're more satisfied because they found the right fit for them. And we don't, it's probably a combination of the two things. So um, for, for vendors out there, that's uh, good news, I think, um, is that uh, partners today seem to be pretty happy with the relationships that they've got going. 
Yeah, I was at ChannelCon last year, and I just remember looking at this this sea of vendors and all these people here, like open arms to help so, like serve partners and help partners. And you know, I think you know, I, I mentioned 15 years ago, I started the MSP world. That that was not what it was. Um, you know, heck, we were building our own things then, but like even six, seven years ago, you didn't have three options. And I think that's kind of um, you know, iron sharpening iron, right? Like competition's great for the channel. It's it's humongous when you get a choice of 20 different RMMs or 20 different PSAs or 20 different network tools or 20 different options. Um, when there's uh when there's competition, the vendor score, I mean, they gotta make a difference. The SaaS can only do so much different. Uh, it's gotta be that experience that sets you apart. And I think yeah. you know, wowing the customers is is something that you if you're not top of line thinking about as a vendor. Um, figure out a way to get it to the top of the line because technology will wow them, but customer you know experience will keep them, and that's what's important, I think, for vendors to know. Mm-hmm. Sure, most do. Great. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's probably a good place to land this part of the conversation. Uh, John, we can really appreciate having you on here. I can see your your passion and your interest in this, and I think your description of of ChannelCon. Uh, last year and how that compared to 10 or 15 years ago, what that really speaks to is just the appetite for technology is so great out there. And I think everyone sees it and everyone wants to participate and there's room for it. And there might be some changing of models, but everyone still wants to be able to work together. And there's a lot of good skills out there. Uh, And so if we all kind of move along the path together, uh, hopefully we're helping each other uh, and 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 getting to that point where we're making happy customers. So I uh, really appreciated your insights on, on this. And uh, Carolyn, you and I will talk a little bit more next time, diving deep on the report. Yep, we sure will. So yeah, John, it's great to see. You. I love the enthusiasm too. So thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, yeah. So for now, we're going to take a look at our career spotlight Uh, This week in Career Spotlight, we have Ryan, who is a network admin. So let's take a look at what Ryan has to say. So I studied computer engineering, which honestly meant a lot of low-level programming and systems engineering. It was a good introduction into how computers work, but really didn't capture how technology is used day to day. It taught me a lot of great problem solving and critical thinking skills, but left a bit to be desired when it came to how I really want to function in a business environment. If I was going to give advice to somebody looking for a career change to IT, I would say to really explore the field and all that it offers. IT is amazing because it really is the intersection of business and technology, and every IT role is different, unique, and varied. Well, this uh, ties Ryan's uh, Ryan's uh, little story here ties right into I think what we've been talking about today is that you know he learned a lot about in the trenches technology when he was studying, but. Um, the reality is there's so much more to having an IT career, and it's about understanding the business problems and solutions. So whatever it is your skills and technology are going to do to solve, you know, what, what, what their ultimate purpose is. And I, I like the way that he articulated that because he's thinking much big picture. And in doing so, he's broadening, obviously, the career choices that he has out there and understanding that it isn't just about, you know, fixing the, you know, the, the, the loose, you know, bracket or something on, on a piece of hardware, but it's, it's a, why are you doing that um, is to, you know, build more revenue within a company that you're working for, or whatever it happens to be, that's the business outcome. So forward thinking, I like to see that. 
Yeah, I think the other thing that we kind of see in in his story is that there's so much complexity. I, you know, I mentioned before the appetite for technology. I think that's growing so much because there is growing complexity, and you know that can almost be like a dirty little secret that there these things are complex that we're talking about. These aren't easy problems to solve, right. but I think that's why it's so important to come together and build these ecosystems and help build the skills that tie the technology and business together. Um, so, um, John, I don't know if you've kind of seen any of that as you're hiring new people and looking for new skills that you're starting to see more and more people that have that connection between the business and technology. Yeah, I mean, I think schools, uh, traditional and alternative are doing fantastic at educating at that. At the end of the day, uh, back when I went for comp sci, it was a lot different. You, you got very in the weeds and very in the technology and the new grads and the new degrees that are coming out um, are very much more business oriented. I mean, technology is everywhere. Clearly, it's not a fad. We just talked about <laughs> the vendors over at ChannelCon. So um, I, what I always say to, to people getting their career in, though, um, is, you know, getting into this community is so essential. Um, you'll, you'll never find your pathway and where you're heading to your career path without meeting peers or getting involved in the community. So I, I, this is the one thing I love about this community is that, uh, and not just the CompTIA community, but the, the IT and the partner and the MSP community is the fact that everybody's always so open to help and educate and you know teach. And um, so I, I, I agree with it. I think that if you're coming into the IT world, it's a no brainer to focus on business too. Um, it, they're pretty much intertwined at this point. To, to consider them differently would be um, a little bit maybe of an old school vein in my opinion today. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, well, I think that's a wrap for this week's show. Thanks again, John, for joining us. Looking forward to seeing you at ChannelCon or other CompTIA events between now and then. And thanks as always to our producer, Andrew McMillan and Carolyn. I'll see you next time. You will. Take Cheers. care.